right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Welcome back. We haven't been on since I think March was March. the last time we podcasted. Yes. It's been a while. It's I th- been a while, but we haven't been doing much. <laughs> I know. I think the last time we podcasted was right at the start of when uh, states and cities were doing uh, shelter in place and stay at home orders. Right. So, so I think it's been about five or six weeks. Now we're all just, you know, pros and we're just excellent homeschool teachers and we're thriving, right? Oh, Ariane is so saying that sarcastically. <laughs> we are surviving, not thriving. No, we are failing house. at everything. <laughs> but we're making it through. Yes, yes, we are. So I was I was emailing a client last week and apologizing for not getting some stuff done that I had wanted to get done. I told him, I said, I'm a teacher, a mom and an attorney all at the same time, and I'm not doing very well at any of them. <laughs> he was quite understanding. I know, I know. And it's so funny because usually when we podcast in May, for like a few years now, we always talk about how the month of May is mayhem. Yes. With school events and sporting yes. events and graduations and recitals. And this year, the month of May is going to be so quiet. I know. It's other than the screaming children in my house. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a really weird feeling. It is a weird feeling because literally every event is canceled. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I remember last year because it was my third year in a row having a child graduate. And we always talked about, you know, we've got Mother's Day and then both of us have family, immediate family members that have birthdays in May Mm -hmm. and it's just always crazy. And so, yeah, this year it's, uh, it's a very welcome kind of nice break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of Mother's Day, we always have a lot to say on our podcast preceding or postlude I to know. Mother's Day. I feel like we always end up podcasting the week before Mother's Day. I feel like that too. We always talk about like what the guys in the ward are doing this year. Exactly. Et cetera, et cetera, which is not a problem this year. No, no. <laughs> no Mother's Day gifts to stress about you, handing out at church. Yes. Yeah, so, so the priesthood are breathing a big sigh of relief because they do not have to stress about what to get the women because inevitably whatever they get, it's not what the women want. <laughs> There's always someone who's Men, unhappy. Chocolate. I have one word to say to you. Chocolate. So yeah, that's not so, happening this year. Although I think my ward is cooking up something because really? I know they asked the husbands to email them a picture of the wives. Oh. In a motherhood setting. And the reason I found this out is because my husband tried, and I guess his picture was pixelated. And instead of emailing him back and saying, can you send a different one that didn't work? They emailed me and they said, will you send us a picture of you in a motherhood, in a picture that represents you and your experience as a mother? And I was like, okay. Oh my. (laughs) So I don't know what they're cooking up, but we do have... A Zoom church meeting next week. Our ward hasn't been doing Zoom every week. It's okay. just like a, maybe every other week okay. or a couple times a month. We do have a Zoom meeting planned for next Sunday. So maybe the pictures are going to show gonna do up some on the sort Zoom. Of a collage? I don't know. Okay, so what did you pick for your picture that represents motherhood? Because again, this 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 could be a minefield. <laughs> and uh, anytime you say the word motherhood and Mother's Day, literally you're stepping into a minefield. Yes. So I'm I'm wondering if you pictured if you sent in a happy picture or a picture of when you are having a mental breakdown dealing with your children <laughs> in school. Well, I don't have any really great mental breakdown pictures. <laughs> well, okay. Fair enough. Well, I was, I was not with me enough. Yes. <laughs> I got a lot of funny pictures of my kids doing crazy things. All right. But usually I'm the picture taker. True. So all I had to offer was just a picture of me and my kids. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that seems very fair. Nothing too exciting. Every time you always do a family picture, you do a great job of selecting coordinating outfits. Yes. Well, I didn't send them an official oh, okay. family one. I think I, I sent one of me holding a baby and because then I was scared. I sent him a couple because I'm like, well, what if it's pixelated? I don't want to do this again. So I sent him a couple options. Oh, so. okay. So then you'll just be surprised when you find out. Yes, we will see. Well, to my knowledge, our ward is not doing anything, although we have had Zoom sacrament for the last three weeks. So it wouldn't surprise me oh. if we have some sort of a Zoom Mother's Day meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to see. So your ward has gotten on board with the Zoom. Yes, we did Zoom testimony meeting 
today. Oh, how did that work? Well, it actually worked pretty well. It seems like that could be rough. Like, how do you... How do you say my turn, my turn? <laughs> okay. So rather than like your typical Zoom meeting where you uh-huh. can see everybody on the screen who's there, they set it up as a Zoom webinar. And so the executive mm. secretary, he is the one that has the power. Okay. He's like Oz. <laughs> okay. So then do you sign up if you want to bear your testimony? Well, no. What you do is there's a feature on the Zoom webinar that says raise your hand. Oh, okay. And so you raise your hand and then... He passes it to you. And then, yes... He will click the things on his computer, whatever it is he's clicking, uh, that will then go to you. I presume as the master controller that he can probably see all of our cameras, I'm Mm -hmm. assuming. I don't know. I've never done that. But yeah, so anytime anybody who wanted to bear their testimony just had to click the raise your hand button and then he'd get to you and you'd get to bear your testimony. Interesting. It was cool. Okay. You know what our bishop started doing on Zoom? This will be my last Zoom sharing. Okay. The last couple times we've had a Zoom church meeting, instead of the first, at first he was using just the LDS Tools music app for the hymns. Yes. And sing your hymn at home. Yeah. It didn't broadcast, so we couldn't hear each other singing. Well, that's probably good. Is good. And then the past couple of weeks, he switched it from the LDS Tools app to like, a Mormon Tabernacle choir video of them oh. singing a song, and we're supposed to sing along with him. Oh, that's kind of fun. Which is fun because it's, yeah, it's obviously the music is way better. Yes, yes. But it's very hard because some of them are like funky arrangements. Ooh. And you don't quite know, but you're just trying to keep up. <laughs> but it makes it interesting. Okay. I like it. Well, kudos to your, kudos to your bishop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, since we are here to do some news, should we do some news? Yes. Let's get to some news stories. All right. So we've kind of broken things down into categories. Our first category is going to uh, be COVID-related stories because, um, in fact, I feel like every podcast that has been done in the last little while for This Week in Mormons has had COVID-related stuff because that is what is in the news. It's a big so, chunk. It's a big chunk of it. So, so sorry if you're sick of this. Yes. But um, things keep changing with the church and policies and and uh, on a uh, regular basis. So we have a number of COVID-related stories. So the first one I want to talk about is missionaries. As many of you are aware, a lot of missionaries are having, um, some people call it an inter, an intermission. Right. They're having an intermission on their mission. Just a little break. Just a little break. And so the missionaries had until the 30th of April to decide if they wanted to continue on with their mission and be reassigned somewhere here in America. And then they can go overseas once their original mission opens back up. Or they could just say, eh, I'm going to take a pause and I'm going to put it on hold. Uh, issue me a new call in 12 to 18 months. So those right. were their two choices. So a couple of different stories. Um, the first one is from the Deseret News, and I really liked it. It was titled, Faith to Go, Encouraged to Come Home, Return Missionaries, Share Unexpected Blessings of COVID-19 Mission Changes. And it goes through, the story interviews a lot of different missionaries who talk about their experience. It leads off with the story of a missionary who his mom was sick and he wasn't sure if he should go on a mission, but he prayed about it. Felt like he should go on a mission, did his training in the MTC, mm-hmm. got to go to Seattle for one week. That's where, before he got called home, that was where he was assigned. And so he decides, okay, I'm going to make the most of this mission. And he ended up actually having to go home, even though he was in the States, because he had a medical related issue that would not allow him to stay in the field with COVID. Right. And so he knew he had a week and he said, I'm going to make the most of this week, has some incredible experiences. And he says, I'm going to tell people that I had the shortest mission, but the best mission. And he talks about now he's home and he's caring for his mother, that going on a mission and leaving his mother ill was really the Lord kind of testing his faith. So he has kind of an unusual story. There's lots of other stories. One common thread that I noticed in all of these stories, and if you've spoken with any of the missionaries that are on intermission Mm -hmm. from your ward, you'll probably see this too. How humble they are. The humility that this experience has given them to realize I have zero control. 
the Lord is in control. I have to put my faith there. And um, just to see these young kids with yeah. so much humility, it's it's amazing. It is. And so adaptable and just willing to, you know, roll with it. Exactly. It's impressive. And so I think this is a series that they're going to do. Um, because it said this was the first of a series. Oh, okay. So there should be more of these coming out, um, just accounts where they interview different missionaries yes. that have come home and give a brief little quote from their experiences. So exactly. look for more of those from the church news. Um, actually, that was Deseret News. Oh, that uh, one was well, Deseret News? No, it says, it says Trent Toon and the church news staff. Uh, no, it was the church news. I guess I just got distracted because Trent Toon... Uh, does a lot of reporting for the church uh, in the Deseret News. but And then, of course, the other story that we're going to link is from the Salt Lake Tribune and just talks about missionaries being um, reassigned. And by some estimates, there's twenty to 30,000 missionaries from the U.S. and Canada who will be leaving their homes and being reassigned right. to new areas. And I can tell you um, from my daughter, Shelby, who is serving in Texas, and of course, she's not scheduled to come home until August. Um, she is is in Lubbock and is working really closely with the mission office and the mission president in her current mission assignment. And they are, they are scrambling. They're gearing up to get they're, some new they're, missionaries. Huh? They sent a bunch of missionaries home. Missionaries have been coming in. I mean, every week it's just been crazy. And so they've had to, all the missionaries that went home, they had to consolidate several areas. Mm-hmm. And now they're having to expand those areas out again as missionaries are coming into their areas. Right. So, yeah, it's super interesting that they're sending them out. Yep. Um, they're just going to go for it. They're just going to so. go for it. <laughs> okay. All right. What is our next story? Our oh. next story is cancellations. cancellations. This is like a growing list of yes. cancellations across the country and everything. But yes. These are church related cancellations. Uh, they announced just this last week that. All youth camps and conferences in the U.S. and Canada will be closed until further notice. Including Trek. They specifically yep. said, do not do Trek in 2020. Yep. So there are some people who are rejoicing at that announcement, and there are others who are crying in their hand cards. I know. So this also includes girls camp, which I know. is a super bummer. I had a daughter that this would have been her first year at girls camp, so... Yeah. So, but it does say um, that leaders can like consider some type of technology-based experiences uh, that would provide meaningful opportunities. It does say that young women leaders may organize youth conference activities at church meeting houses if, um, when the first presidency comes out and says that we can use those meeting houses again, and if it's okay in your local area. So that's a big if. I don't know. If that will even happen, but they're trying to, I think, get people thinking of maybe some alternatives that they could do. Exactly. Well, I got it. I received an email today from the secretary in Young Women's, mm-hmm. and she is saying they are planning a young woman's retreat pending approval from our church leaders. So I don't exactly know what a young woman's retreat is and how that is different from girls' camp. So, right. well, I'll just have to keep you posted on that yeah, one. Yeah, you'll have to let us know. Has Have your youth done any virtual, like, mutual, not mutual, activities? Activities. What do we call it now? Youth activities? They have done one. Uh-huh. And the one that they did involved a couple of missionaries who not only came home from their mission because it was the end of their mission, but a couple of missionaries on our ward who were on intermission. Oh, okay. And so they had those missionaries on. So it was kind and, of like a fireside. Yeah, and invited the youth. And, and they could... They had done that for test, you know, for a sacrament meeting, but in this setting, they let the kids ask them all sorts of, you know, crazy random questions like, you know, what was the worst thing you ate? You know, something like that that's that's probably not appropriate in a (laughs) sacrament meeting setting. So that's fun. Yeah. We've also had one. The young women did online bingo via Zoom. Oh, really? They, they delivered bingo cards to each girl's house so they could play their bingo online. It okay, now cute. that sounds fun. Yeah, I thought it was very creative. My daughter loved it. She was so happy like, to, to get see to hang friends. out with those friends online. So I hope they'll do some more. I'm sure they will if this continues. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, and then uh, the other also, cancellation. Our other cancellation is the Tabernacle Choir's 2020 European tour has been postponed for a year. So they will do this 
next summer in 2021, um, and they're going to hit up all kinds of places and countries throughout Europe. Yes. So that is on so hold. So don't despair, despair, ye European saints. You will get the tab cats. You'll just have to wait a little longer. Yes. They will come. All right. In other news, on the 17th of April, the church released some new administrative principles for COVID. Um, and it says these documents are issued in response to the disruption in the church procedures and member activities caused by the worldwide COVID pandemic. So they were basically talking about sacrament in homes, patriarchal blessings, weddings, funerals, naming and blessing of children, church administration, all sorts of things like that. Just giving us some additional clarity, right? Exactly. Um, so one of the biggest clarifying issues they had is they said, Many ordinances require the laying on of hands, such as confirmations, ordinations, blessings, setting apart, and conferring of priesthood keys. Such ordinances require the priesthood holder who performs the ordinance must be in the same location as the recipient. Priesthood ordinances cannot be performed remotely using technology. When circumstances require, others may observe the ordinance remotely using technology, if authorized by the preceding authority. Right. So that is the key thing. And then they um, went into some specifics. People were asking, well, what about weddings and meeting houses and funerals? And they basically said, if the government allows it, wherever you live, to gather inside a meeting house for that, you can. Otherwise, you're going to have to figure that out. Um, this is interesting. Apparently, temple recommend interviews can occur via technology. Yes, I had a friend that did that this week. Really? She did over Zoom. She had her little temple recommend interview. She said it was really weird. Well, yeah. <laughs> so what do they do then? Send you the recommend in the mail? I guess. <laughs> You're not going to need it. So it's okay if it gets their snail mail. <laughs> I guess so. Anyway, they say um, patriarchal blessings. Those should be temporarily delayed unless you have a prospective missionary who is leaving to go on a mission and has does not have their patriarchal blessing. Mm -hmm. Then it, it would be okay if you can, you know, do it safely. They say pay your tithing online. Um, then there was one, well, what if a missionary is asked to give a blessing to somebody with COVID-19? They say, oh, no, 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 no. No, don't do that. You can pray for them. You can minister to them via technology, but you can't go give them a blessing in person. So, right. anyway, bunch of, of, of policies for clarification. Yes. Very good. Very good. Okay. Other church news regarding coronavirus. Um, the LDS Church has suspended production of religious clothing at Beehive Clothing, and they have now turned those clothing manufacturing facilities into places that are making masks, gowns, etc. to donate to healthcare workers. Mm. So I thought this was very cool. Um, it said that in Utah, and this is mostly a Utah thing because I don't think there are Beehive clothing facilities actually, outside of Utah. Actually, they said they're in Brazil, Mexico, the Philippines, and Paraguay. Oh, I did not read that closely. Oh, oh yes. yes. Hey, I guess Utah. we have a lot of them. Okay. So, yes, we do. So, in Utah, at least alone in Utah, they have this goal of sewing 5 million clinical masks. And that is not only being done at the Beehive Clothing, but they're reaching out to members through the Relief yes. Society in Utah to make 5 million masks for the healthcare workers in Utah. And last I heard, they had already donated 1 million of the 5 million that they had wow. collected. So people well, in Utah are busy, busy, busy sewing masks. Speaking of sewing masks, my dear, mm -hmm. you have been busy sewing masks. I have been <laughs> sewing masks. <laughs> <laughs> Not in mass quantities, but our ward did a small mask project. And then after that was early in the early stages to donate to yeah. healthcare workers. And then after that, I was like, well, now I know how. So I just started sewing them for all my neighbors and friends because... Why not? I know. It appears we're all going to be wearing them now. Exactly. So. Well, and I've, I'm going to brag on you here because I know you won't, but Ariane has this cute little basket sitting on her front porch and she went around and left a note to all the neighbors that if you need a basket, come to my house and help yourself. So sitting on her front porch is a whole basket full of cloth masks that any of the neighbors can come and help themselves to. 
And so I think that is, I, I just, I think that is a good way to spend your COVID time and a good way to reach out, administer and be neighborly. Well, thank you. So it has been a good way to feel like I'm doing something. (laughs) There's not much any of us can do, but it helps to feel like you're doing something. Exactly. All right. The other thing that the church is doing is they released an article, um, via church news about what's going on with their welfare farms and ranches. So they are still in production. They said they are actually expecting a very good harvest this year, a bumper harvest, and which is great timing because they are producing these things and donating them to food banks yes, uh, through the welfare system of the church, but also giving them throughout the world to different food banks and places to be distributed. And I also thought it was interesting. They said that because they knew COVID was on the horizon – early on in the planting season, they were able to kind of change their amounts of what they planted and how much they planted. And it said that they decided to produce higher amounts of green beans, sweet corn, and dry beans this year in anticipation of higher demands on Bishop's warehouses. So I thought that was interesting. How do you choose what to do more of? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting too. That was one of my favorite parts about the article mm-hmm. is that, you know, planting hadn't occurred yet. And so they could take what they were planting and go, right. well, let's adjust this. Right. I, I, I really wish I knew what is their algorithm for saying, okay, right. we're going to plant less soybeans or I don't know, maybe soybeans falls into the dry bean category. Right. I don't know. I don't know, you know, but we think there's going to be a higher demand for these things or, or maybe they were low on green beans and realized, well, maybe we ought to get more green beans. I don't know. Yeah, very interesting. So they said senior missionary couples with ranching backgrounds, the ones that are able to stay have still stayed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've sent home anyone with immune compromise systems. They said some of these missionaries that are coming home are turning into service missionaries and helping out on these farms and ranches. So I thought that was very interesting to see what's going on behind the scenes yeah. with the church food donations. I know I've seen locally here, um, there was a press release oh, that yeah. they have donated to the food bank here. I know they've been doing it in many, many states. In many, many states so. they've been donating. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's, you know, what is interesting is so we have a big fruit orchard owned by the church out kind of, uh, in the next county over south of, south of the county, in the mm-hmm. southern part of the county. And they use that fruit. We also have a cannery here. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what is, is uh, grown in that orchard it is done in the cannery. But the other interesting thing I found out about our cannery here, because one of the ladies I work with at the temple, her husband works for the church at the cannery. They will buy like tomatoes from California. Oh, really? And they will ship those tomatoes up here from mm-hmm. California because California is growing tomatoes all right. year round. And so they ship those tomatoes up here from California and they can them in the cannery here, slap the Deseret label on them mm-hmm. and use them for those things. And I wonder, obviously the canneries aren't operating because they, you know, can't socially distance and stuff, how that is impacting the welfare part of this because they are donating lots of food, but how, what's their plan for replenishing this? Like maybe they're having to rely more on our own orchards and our own ranches rather than buying from outside. Yeah. I I don't know. Or what their plan Mm -hmm. is for replenishing um, the stuff that they can themselves, you know, because obviously, you know, one of the things that they can in the off season at our cannery here is tomatoes, right. uh, that they ship in from California. So they're not canning those now. So presumably they don't have as many on their shelves. How are they going to get that all restocked? Are we going to be, once the cannery reopens, are we going to be asked to do 24 seven cannery assignments? I don't know. We do get asked to do a lot of cannery assignments. We do. And I usually never can. Although, now I'm home with nothing to do. It would be the perfect time. Exactly. Well, and you know what? I remember growing up, they ran that cannery 24-7 because I remember our mom doing overnight cannery shifts. Really? Because she loved the overnight cannery shifts because she was a night person. I, you know, if they ran 24-7, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sign me up for a night shift. I'm totally good with that <laughs> because I can't ever do the day shifts and I feel guilty because I like going to the cannery. Uh-huh. Anyway. All right. Very Just interesting. an interesting side note on uh, on the cannery and the church replenishing things. Yes. 
All right. The next one is Donny Osmond has a son. Now I know you find that hard to believe. His name is Brandon Osmond, and he decided that he was going to produce some YouTube videos. Now, I haven't watched the YouTube videos. I probably should have watched them in anticipation of this. Uh, but there was an article in LDS Living about this. Um, he is known as Brother Brandon in these YouTube videos. Um, in the first episode, while talking about the changes children have been experiencing lately due to coronavirus, he then pauses the video and again shows up in his church clothes. These are videos that are directed towards primary age right. children. These are singing time videos. These are singing time videos. And, um, and then he goes through and sings with the kids and, and, and again, you know, what a fun thing to do, you know, give yourself, your kids a little, a little entertainment, maybe on a Sunday that's church related. Yes. And there's several others on this article, the LDS living linked to that aren't brother Osmond's. Okay. If, if you care for a different singing time teacher. <laughs> Apparently there's several on YouTube to choose from. Oh, so we have lots of resources out there. Yes. This is good to know. <laughs> okay. You've got the next story. It's pretty cool. Oh yes. This one is cool. So this again is an LDS living article and it says why the title of it is called why this 84 year old great grandfather made 40 sacrament trays. And there is a picture of a sacrament tray. It's a, it's made out of wood and it has nine little holes in it for cups. And then there's a wooden handle. And then there is a place, a flat place where you could do bread. So what happened was, is his daughter-in-law, you know, we are all doing obviously church at home right. and administering the sacrament at home. She remembered that when her husband was young men's president, that the, um, let's see, a member of the bishopric had given him a homemade wooden sacrament tray. Uh, to use when the, um, when the boys were taking the sacrament mm -hmm. to members who couldn't come to church. So she dug that out of the closet for their family to use. And they thought it was so cool. And I guess her dad has these, you know, mad woodworking skills. And mm -hmm. so she said, Hey, dad, can you help me make these? So he started making these sacrament trays, but he didn't make them by himself. He also enlisted the help of his grand great grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And so they learned, they were worked side by side with their grandfather, learning these woodworking school skills, making these sacrament trays. And then it doesn't say what they did with them. I presume they passed them yeah, out to family and friends. They gave them to like their people they ministered to. Oh, okay. I think they made like 40. They made 40 them of them. They're really cool looking. Here's my question though. Where are you getting the cups to fit in those little holes? Oh, I'll tell you where you're are getting you the cups. Are you going to go raid the closet at the church? Oh, no, 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 no. Where this does is, one find sacrament cups? This is what I did. So we were trying, we were using our smallest cups and my husband would put like five gulps of water in the cup. Okay. That's what's happening here too. And my girls are like, lots of water. We want lots of water. I'm really thirsty. <laughs> well, I found the lots of water annoying. So. I was at this place called um, Standard Restaurant Supply that we have here in Boise. Uh -huh. And I had gone there to get something completely unrelated. And I was looking in their aisles and they had little tiny plastic cups like you would use in a restaurant if you were filling them up with ketchup or something like that uh -huh. to pass out like with french uh -huh. fries. So I bought 50 of those cups, these little clear plastic cups that would fit in a sacrament tray and... That's what we're using for sacrament. Okay, well, now you need a tray. You better enlist your handy husband to make you a tray. I showed him the picture and said, I want this. <laughs> Maybe that'll be your Mother's Day present. Oh, that's a good idea. I should say, make this for me for Mother's Day. Not That might be one of the best Mother's Day presents I've gotten. That would be a very unique Mother's Day present. Yes. Like, talked about for years. Yes, it would. <laughs> okay. Okay, now we have to talk weddings um, because... What this is doing to LDS weddings, COVID-19, yes, the coronavirus, how it is reshaping LDS weddings completely fascinates me. Like, I just can't get over it. Oh, yes. It's so, changed the dynamic. Yes. So much has changed. So there's an article on KSL that they, where they interview several couples who have had to obviously make changes to their wedding plans. Um, now, it's been about a year since the church changed its policy. It was last May when they changed the policy in the United States yes. and a few other countries that had the policy that you couldn't get married civilly 
and let you could not get married in the temple unless you had waited a year after getting married civilly. So about a year ago, they changed this and said you can get married civilly. And then you can get married in the temple. There's no waiting period, yes. which was already happening in some countries, but not here in the United States. So that was a year ago. Obviously, in this wedding season, everybody is clearly seeing the inspiration on yes. that and very, very grateful for that. So there have been many weddings that have been uprooted, spring yes. weddings. Uh, so this article from KSL, they interviewed a couple that had planned their wedding on March 25th. Um, or no, they were supposed to get married March 28th, March 25th, the church announced that they were closing the temples and the couple had already bumped it up. It was supposed to be an April wedding, but they bumped it up to March 28th, seeing the writing on the wall, yeah. thinking we got to get in before the temples close. And then three days before their wedding, the church the said, closed. sorry, the temples are closed. Yes. <laughs> so they were like, Oh, what do we do now? So after obviously already being on this emotional roller coaster, they decided to leave it March 28th. They would go ahead and get married civilly. Um, so they did it with just, you know, a small group of family, uh, whoever was around. And they are hoping to obviously get to the temple as soon as possible. Uh, they interviewed another bride and groom that had a drive up wedding. They got married in like a parking lot surrounded by cars and yes. everybody stayed in their cars to witness them getting married. Uh, I thought that was very clever. Yes. We have a cousin whose daughter got married recently and they put it on Facebook live and it was really fun for us because yeah. we wouldn't have seen it. No. Um, anyway, she was in Utah. They put the whole thing on Facebook live. It was just the parents. And the bishop marrying them at a park. Very simple. So this is what fascinates me. It, I think, at least in America, LDS wedding culture has just ballooned. You have to have the Pinterest wedding. Yes. It is all about, is is this a Pinterest wedding? Wouldn't you say over the past, like, maybe 10 or 15 years? Oh, yeah. It's out of control. It has just ballooned, especially... And probably not in other countries, but in America. Yes. Just huge receptions, quite the ordeal. And we have a lot of traditions that are LDS traditions. And it's just, it's just a lot. It is. So the thing I love, obviously, it's very sad that nobody can get married in the temple right now. And that's like the number one priority. And that will come eventually. So that part is, is, is a downer. But I just think it is such the, the bright side of it is that these weddings are like so simple. And I just feel like it's really getting back to the roots of like what's important. Right. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, in this article, one of the, one of the couples that was getting married says, when everything gets stripped away, you realize what is really important. What is important is that you're marrying the person you love and that you're celebrating starting a life together. Later, when the temples reopen, you bring that in and then you can make it eternal and the real goal. And, and that's the real goal and what's really important. Everything else is just extra. So, you know, I'm in that phase of life. You know, your kids are a little bit younger. My kids are older. A lot of my friends who are having kids that are getting married right. in this in this time. And so it's been interesting because, um, you know, they are not getting the wedding that they always thought they would, but just the simplicity of it. Just like you said, they realize, hey, it is not, a, you know, the big party is great. The big mm-hmm. party is fun and all of that. But what's really important is we're making commitments to each other. Yeah. And it's just like this groom said, when everything is stripped away. And I really like that because I think there has been a lot, I think a lot of focus on that has been lost because it's all about planning the big party. Right. Now, as you know, I've done two weddings. <laughs> I had my first wedding, which is, you know, we went to the temple, uh, we got married in the temple, we had the party that night, etc. And then I had my second marriage, which we just had the bishop marry us civilly. And then we did our temple ceiling later on because I hadn't had my right. first ceiling canceled. A year later. A year later. <laughs> exactly. You had to wait a year. I had to wait a year. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is the first time around, I really wasn't focused on the temple ceremony. I was all about, you know, I was the typical bride thinking about my party and this and that and whatnot. And, and, 
And with the second time around, when we went, when we'd already been married and we went to the temple to be sealed, it was so much more spiritual Mm -hmm. because I wasn't focused on a whole bunch of stuff or distracted by a whole bunch of stuff that really was superfluous. And so I like the idea that, um, that this is making things simple. The other thing that I like the idea of is when the policy change was change was first announced, there was. I, I think it's helping people to realize if you get married civilly and then you choose to go to the temple the next day, that your wedding isn't less than. Yes, and, and I know you kind of had a discussion with somebody about that. <laughs> yes, I have feelings on this. Okay, well, express your feelings well, on this. Last summer, we were having a discussion with an extended family member about this because. My husband and I were just raising the question, like, will there be a stigma? Yeah. If you get, if you choose to get married civilly and then go to the temple the next day or then a few days later, will there be a stigma? And we were posing this question to family members and this particular family member said, no, I don't think there will. And then she said, but for my kids, I'm going to teach them that the temple is supreme and they should not do that. And we were like, well, what if you have family members that are not LDS yeah. that you want to be there? And she said, well, I will, I'm teaching my kids that that doesn't matter. It will be a good missionary moment because it will show those family members how important the temple is to you. So we were As like, opposed to like alienating. <laughs> so we were like, okay, question answered. There's definitely a stigma yes. still there with some people yes. that view it as Lesser, As lesser to get married civilly and then, go, and to then the go to the temple. Exactly. And so I totally think that this is going to be the thing that maybe can break that. I agree with you. I completely agree with you because so many people are just doing these simple civil weddings right. and going to do their temple ceiling later. And, uh, and it's going to be enough. People are going to know enough people that did it this way. Yeah. That they're going to be like, okay, this works too. Exactly. It'll kind of break down those walls of those ideas that we have in our head. That a temple wedding is superior. That you're not as good. And and a temple wedding obviously is the goal. Yes. But I should say a temple ceiling is the goal. Ceiling. That's right. Temple ceiling is the goal. So I do think this will be what breaks down just that stigma of, oh, you can't do it that way. Yeah. Which we've had in America. Exactly. Exactly. They haven't had in other places. So I know this will be very, it'll be very interesting on the other side of this to see what changes about LDS weddings. Will the parties be smaller? I don't know. Maybe the parties will go back. Will more people feel comfortable getting married civilly? Maybe if they want to have their non LDS family members there and then the next day going to the temple. I think, I think there will. I think there will too. And Mm -hmm. I, I think it, you know, it, it kind of showcases one of the things that, that the COVID-19 has done, which is just exactly what this groom said. It has stripped things down to what's important. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the busyness that we had in our lives and the go-to and the madness and we have to do this. I think we've realized in this COVID-19 coming out of it, when we come out of it, there will be things that will return as they have been, but there may be big changes in our lives as well when we realize, you know what? I was fine without doing that because one of the things that I've really appreciated about staying at home is just how it's drawn my kids and my family together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, while it admittedly it has been forced and right. admittedly there are moments of madness, there are moments when I can see that the kids are bonding with each other in a way that they that they otherwise haven't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very interesting. Anyway, all right. What do you have next? Next, we have the new Tabernacle Choir logo. Oh, the highly debated logo. The highly debated logo. So for those of you who are not aware, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, aka the Tabcats, came out with a new logo. And Jeff wrote an article on this for This Week in Mormons, and he was kind of meh on the new logo. He thought the new logo and its accompanying explanations for what various <laughs> things mean just was, um, uh, just didn't cut the mustard, so to speak. Right. Then there is another article that, uh, or no, he, 
Then there, then there is another article by a gentleman who is a former church designer and he raves about the new logo. He so, thinks it's so modern. So we have opposing views. People we have do very have opposing strong views. feelings on the logo. Yes. So I will share my view first. I do not like the new logo. To me, it looks like pencils and crayons. <laughs> I just don't like it. I think it's too modern. I think it's too, I don't know, kind of flashy. Uh Uh, And I realized, you know, that that's what Mac Wilberg wanted is he said, you know, he wanted a new look in a modern direction to make the choir more relevant to the listeners. But here's the deal. The old logo was kind of a picture of the pipe organ uh, stemmed from the pipe organ in the tabernacle. And to me, that logo looks solid. And when I think of the tabernacle choir, I think solid. And the new logo is just so fluid. Mm -hmm. I don't want a modern tabernacle choir. (laughs) I want the good old fashioned tabernacle (laughs) choir. (laughs) So I am, uh, that is my opinion. Now I will let you share your opinion about what you think of the new logo. Oh, I have mixed feelings. Okay. I really like the font. For the for the, for the tabernacle choir. Tabernacle choir. I okay. think it's fresh. I think it's modern. I do like the font. I, I like will give the you font. that. The pipes, I'm actually okay with personally. Okay. But my problem is I feel like if you are not a member of the church and you're not so, like to me, yeah. I can see right away. Oh yeah, pipes. Exactly. But my fear is if you are not LDS or or not as familiar, yeah, you won't know what those are. Exactly. I only know what those are because I've stared at the other one for so many years. <laughs> I've seen those pipes on conference for so many years. So that worries me. I think uh-huh. I think the pipes need to look a little bit more like pipes. The other thing that I have issue with is how different it is from our other logo, our church logo. From the Christus logo yeah, that President Nelson logo. introduced. Like they just don't, one is so modern and one is so classic and well, older. And that's exactly what the guy and points out in the article. They don't jive. No, I, they don't like, jive. I wish they were more similar just for branding, right? Exactly. Keep, keep them in the same family. I don't know. Well, and I think they could have taken the old logo and maybe tweaked it just a little bit yeah. to maybe modernize it a little bit, but still keeping in harmony with the feel of the Christus logo that we have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do agree with you there. They're, they're, they're very different, but uh, yeah. I, I am a thumbs down on the new Tab Cats <laughs> logo. Don't like it. And I will tell everybody, go read the Facebook comments because there was all sorts of Facebook comments on Jeff's article. I didn't read those. Yes, people liking, people not liking. People have very strong feelings. People seem to have very strong feelings and opinions on the new logo. Well, you know, it's hard to change a logo. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay, Um, now we have, oh, the census. The census. The church came out with a statement a couple weeks ago encouraging Latter-day Saints in the United States and Mexico to participate in their 2020 censuses. This is important to the church because it helps give them an idea of the growth in different countries and also the growth in the church because in Mexico, um, they were encouraging people to put down their religion. Yeah, their religion. And so they wanted them to write in the space the full name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, to be counted as that religion. So, have you done? Have you answered your census? census yet? My husband did it for us. So, oh, <laughs> see, this is good. I got my cards in the mail, and I think I shoved them in the pile with like all the other stuff I get in that's, the mail. That's what I did, and then he took care of it. I was like, oh, good, check that out. <laughs> and and well, I know my husband won't do it. I mean, he barely reads his email, so this responsibility will fall on me. But between trying to be a lawyer and trying to be a school teacher, I'm like. Yeah, that's us. I'll get to it. I haven't even requested my absentee ballot yet. I couldn't get my absentee ballot requested. I couldn't get my absentee ballot requested. There's a lot of forms. I know. (laughs) All right. So our next story, plans for an LDS temple in Shanghai may have hit an obstacle. As you know, uh, President Nelson announced we're going to have a temple in Shanghai, but there's some government agencies in Shanghai who say, we don't know anything about that. What you talking about? Uh So, and it says that negotiations between the church and China, um, uh, can be tricky. And so, you know, obviously 
President Nelson wouldn't have said that without faith that it was, you know, that it was going to happen. So, um, you know, we don't know exactly what roadblocks they've hit, but I do believe that at some point that we will have a temple there. This was super interesting, too. It said in the article that representatives from China's government occasionally will pop in on LDS services just to check and make sure, you know, everything's... All the up and up. Well, and, and in, so that now it begs the question, if we do get a temple there, are they going to be popping in on the temple services? That's a very good question. Isn't that interesting? I never thought about that. Well, and in China, they have two different services. They have services for expats, mm-hmm. and then they have services for people who are Chinese, and never the twain shall right. meet. And see, I thought the temple was just going to be for expats. No, 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 no. My understanding was the temple was going to be for members in China. So if you're an expat, you don't get to go there. You got to haul your butt down to Hong Kong. Oh, okay. But Shanghai Temple is just going to be for people who are members of the People's Republic of China that are citizens of that. Okay. Well, we will keep watching that and hope, hope that that can get going. Okay. Um, okay. Next article. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but it was kind of a fun little yes. read and mentioned members of the church. Uh, the New York Times did an article this past week. Did moms exist before social media? And it was all about kind of like the evolution of the mommy blogger, which we've discussed on exactly, here. Exactly, we have. Um, but they had a whole uh, section of this article that talked about the Mormon mommy bloggers and how you cannot talk about this initial, you know, birth of mommy blogs without talking about how it was influenced by Mormons and Christian moms, but particularly Mormons said Mormon mothers blogs broadcast a clean and chipper version of motherhood complete with DIY crafting projects and coordinated family photo shoots. And the reason they were talking about that is the original mommy blogs that started were mommy blogs that were like talking about the dredges of motherhood. The hard parts. The The hard parts. The ugly parts. Exactly. The complaining parts. Exactly. So then they talked about how then it took a turn into the shiny, beautiful parts, particularly when Instagram came around. Exactly. Filters and pictures. To make everybody look a good 20 years younger. (laughs) And then they talk about how now it's kind of evolved to a place where there's a little bit of both. Yeah. And anyway, it was very interesting. They just mentioned, you know, the influence of the Mormon moms. All right. Well, that's about it for stories, for news. But we still have our one of our features, which we like to call Mormons Behaving Badly. Right. And, and we have a our infamous, we keep coming back to this particular Mormon behaving badly. Because the story just gets crazier and crazier. And she's always in the news. Exactly. Lori Vallow. So, although she has been less in the news since COVID, That's we talked right. about that. But uh, she had a bond reduction hearing this week and Dateline ran a new special on her right. on Friday night. Yes. So... Why don't you talk about the Dateline special and then I'll talk about the bond reduction here. Well, the Dateline special, I think last time we podcasted, they had done their first special. They had, yeah, they did their first special in February, I and believe. And so now they did a second follow-up. Um, not a ton of new information, but they did interview her son uh, extensively. This was her oldest son from a diff- different like her marriage. First marriage. Um, and Actually, they- I think he was from marriage number two. Oh, he might have been number two. <laughs> She's had five husbands. A lot of marriages. Can't keep track of them all. And then they also interviewed her niece, whose ex-husband got shot at. And the niece also moved to Rexburg when she moved to Rexburg. Anyway, convoluted. They interviewed the niece. They didn't get a lot of information out of the niece. But if you want to go, if you're interested, you want to go watch the Dateline special. One super interesting thing they hit on in the Dateline special is that Chad and... Lori purchased wedding rings on Amazon 17 days before Chad's wife was killed, supposedly of natural causes, although now the Idaho attorney general is officially investigating him for murdering his wife. He hasn't been charged, but there's an investigation going on. So they bought these wedding rings before she even died. Uh, hello. (laughs) Well, and not only that, so after she purchases the wedding ring, because they went into her Amazon search history, then she starts searching for wedding dresses. Again, before Tammy had passed away, 
Methinks the fish in Denmark does not smell good. Yeah, it's not looking good. All right. Well, and I will briefly touch on the bond reduction hearing. She had another bond reduction hearing this last Friday. Uh, her bond is set at a million dollars. The attorney made a very, in, the judge said, look, I'm not going to revisit the issues that the other judge already heard. So you got to give me new reasons why I should reduce the bond. So this was his reasoning why he sh- the bond should be reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, due to COVID-19, they don't have attorney client rooms where you can go in and meet face to face with your lawyer. He's in this public room and all and where you're between a plexiglass and you have to pick up a phone and that line is recorded. Well, he kept asking, Are, is the recording going to be off? Am I going to be recorded? They said, no, 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 you won't be recorded. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they recorded him. Oh. Now, they <laughs> claim that they have discovered that and erased that, which creates a whole different problem. But um, so that was his reasoning is he said, she needs to be out of jail because I can't adequately communicate with my client. I can't pass documents to her. They're recording me. They shouldn't be recording me. Mm-hmm. The judge smacked him down and said, nope, that's not a, that's not a reason to reduce her bond. But what was really interesting in this is the Idaho Supreme Court, uh, said starting this week that we can all go back to court, at least effective May 1st. Mm-hmm. But if you're in court, you have to wear a mask. So everybody at the bond reduction hearing was wearing a mask, including the judge. So we have about an hour and a half hearing. She takes a break. She comes back in and she's, and she doesn't have her mask. And she says, I realize I'm not, don't have my mask on. Chief Justice Burdick, I'm so sorry for not wearing my mask, but I'm going to pass out. And then she proceeds to tell the attorneys, when you're talking, you don't have to wear your mask. <laughs> so I have to go to court this week, and I'm hoping that her influence will trickle to the judges I have to appear in front of. Tiffany is very nervous about wearing a mask in court because the chances of passing out could be high. I could be high. <laughs> I suck a lot of oxygen in and breathe out a lot of CO2. So, you know, I don't want my next post on my in- Instagram adventures in lawyering to be passed out on the floor in courtroom five. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. Well, I think that is it for our news stories this week. Yes. Let's move on to our favorite things. All right. Here's our favorite things. We're also going to share some favorite things that are Corona adjacent. Yes. Corona adjacent. <laughs> because these are things that we have been enjoying during this season at home with lots of stress. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to share a few binge-worthy TV shows Okay, that I have enjoyed during yes. this season. So, uh, first, well, I have to hit on Tiger King because all of America watched Tiger King. Oh, yeah. But I cannot officially endorse that on here because it has more F-bombs than you will ever hear in your life. But it was very fascinating. <laughs> but you've been warned. So, yeah. You might want to pull out your, what's the filter thing? VidAngel. VidAngel. <laughs> so I think those things don't work anymore. Oh, <laughs> Okay, uh, next binge-worthy series, totally fascinating, Waco. Just <gasps> yes. came out on Netflix this last week. So, so, so good. Uh, Mrs. America, I've been watching. It's on FX for on, Hulu. No, for, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Very fascinating. It's about the ERA movement back in the 70s. And it is the... It's fascinating. The subject material is fascinating, but the styling is amazing. Like the costuming, the hair, it's just pretty to look at, but it's also just fascinating. I haven't gotten to that one yet. I have watched Tiger King and Waco. Yes. But that is on my list. Tiger King, Waco, another McMillions. (gasps) Yes. Now this is a documentary about the McDonald's monopoly scam that went on back in the 80s, 90s. And it's on Hulu. And that's on Hulu now. So, so good. And also there is an LDS tie because somebody involved was a member of the church. <laughs> yeah. So you get to episode four and they introduce you to this character named Dwight Baker. And all of a sudden up pops the Salt Lake Temple in the background and you hear organ music playing because yes, he was a member of the church. So, you know, that's always fun. There's an there's another Mormon behaving badly for you. Exactly. Uh, another good one that was really interesting we watched was The Plot Against America. And that one's on HBO. Okay. So I know not everybody has HBO. But so what it, is that it was about? Fascinating. Um, it is about what it's like a dramatization, what would have happened if, um, oh, what's his name? Became president. I should have written this down because now I'm blanking out. 
the pilot. The pilot. I'll think of it later. Okay. Anyway, he, uh, what would have happened to the Jews in the country? He was oh, okay. very anti-Semitic. Okay. And what would have happened had he been elected? So um, is this like, like what decade is this set This in? is in the thirties. Oh, in the thirties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So thirties, forties, world war two. Okay. Forties. Yeah. Okay. So super interesting. Oh, uh, I may have to check that out because I, I don't know if it's, uh, Hulu is offering a whole bunch of HBO programming right now, uh, for free. So you don't oh. have to have an HBO subscription. I may have to see if that's available on Hulu. Yeah. Go see if it's on there. Okay. It was good. So. All right. So I am going to talk about two Instagrammers. If you want to totally escape your, the reality of your COVID life, you should go follow these two Instagrammers. And both of them are LDS women. Okay. Uh, first Instagrammer, and I shout out to my daughter, Lauren. She's the one who told me this one. Uh, her Instagram is called Turtle Creek Lane. Her real name is Jennifer Houghton, and she is from Dallas, and she is completely into interior decorating, especially for holidays. I have never seen more over-the-top holiday decorations in my whole freaking entire life. And I decorate for the holidays. At one point in time, I had like seven Christmas yeah. trees I put up. This woman puts me to shame, to say the least. I mean, she looks like Hobby Lobby and then some threw up in her house. But it's very pretty, you know, and she has mm-hmm. these very pretty Instagram pictures you can look at. And then she has good Instagram stories. She starts out every day saying, uh, I can't remember what her saying is. And she says, we're going to begin today. Take five seconds for, to express something you're grateful for because, um, gratitude brings happiness or something like that. Uh-huh. She really is like she's carved out a cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's sappy, sappy, sweet, but I'm sure she's, and I'm not, I'm sure she is just an absolutely lovely human being. Uh-huh. I don't mean to sound negative on that, but, um, she's just fascinating. Uh-huh. So my next Instagrammer that I have started following is this lady called the pink haired shopper. And as you can imagine, she has pink hair. So she has a cut, kind of a pixie cut, like what you see Anna Wintrode from Vogue wearing. So she's got that haircut, but it's bright pink. And she has the personality to pull it off. Not all people could pull off the pink hair. Every day she takes a picture of what she's wearing Mm -hmm. and she dresses up like she loves to wear dresses. And so every day she is just dressed to the nines. And she's LDS too. And she's LDS too. She's in her sixties. Uh, she has four kids and these kids are like mega successful. Two of her daughters have been on Broadway. One daughter is the principal ballerina in, um, the state run ballet in, Norway, I believe. And she's got a son that's in law school right now. Anyway, so... um, Okay, this is interesting because both of these ladies are older. Yes. Like grandmommy bloggers. Well, the pink-haired shopper is in her 60s. Okay. Uh, Turtle Creek Lane, she's about my age. She's early 50s. So they don't have grandkids yet, but they could. Well, pink hair shopper has grandkids. Oh, she does. Okay. She has grandkids. Okay. So yes. Um, but, and I also follow two of her daughters okay. on Instagram, the two daughters who used to be on Broadway, uh, because they're, they're fascinating as well. And they're just, they're really nice, uh-huh. you know, anyway, so, like pretty pictures to look at, pretty pictures to look at. I really love pink hair shoppers style. Uh-huh. Like I look at her clothes and I, I'm like, I would totally wear that. Um, of course, you know, she maybe is a hundred pounds on a good day. She's a tiny little thing, <laughs> but, um, anyway, super pretty pictures to look at. And like I said, I really like her style and I actually will take a lot of inspiration from her style and go, uh-huh. Oh, maybe I should try putting that together. So that's kind of been my binginess okay. during COVID-19. So there you go. If you need something to escape with. Yes. There's some options. There's some options. Oh, and I should say her name, the pink haired shopper, her name is Losana Jensen. She has quite the, quite the first name. I couldn't figure out how to pronounce it. I had to watch one of the Instagram. Losana. Losana. So does she go by Low? No, she goes by Losana. The full name. The full name. So anyway. (laughs) Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. I think that wraps it up for us. 
Uh, Twim Nation, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email contact at thisweekinmormons.com and Jeff will respond to you. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of your social media contacts. Things. We hope you all are healthy and well. And for all the moms out there, we hope you have a great Mother's Day. And thanks for listening. This week in Mormons.com